0: Hi, everyone. This is Becky Robinson, and I'm here today with my colleague, Christy Kirk. And we are excited to talk with you for another episode of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. And we have a loose theme going on with our recent episodes with an overarching topic of strategy. And we recently recorded a webinar. Actually, I recorded a webinar in which I talked about crafting a marketing strategy, which applies to authors as well. And one of the key ideas around crafting marketing strategy is identifying your target audience. So for the purposes of today, we want to talk about target audience for your book. So Christy, how can an author go about finding out who their book is for? Well, I think the first thing they have to do is really realize that their book is
1: not for everyone. I think so often we have clients, when we ask that question, who is the book for? Well, everyone can benefit. And in theory, everyone probably can benefit, but everyone is not going to. And marketing is more successful if we can go after a very specific audience. So one of the first things you can do is really think about who do you think could benefit really on a granular level from the book that you're sharing you can get input from early readers. If you give out early reading copies, you can get feedback from them. Who do you think would benefit? You can dive in and research your competitors. Most authors will say, well, I, you know, I don't want to really think about competition. But every author has other authors that they're looking at and that they want to emulate in some way. So look at who they're targeting and the language they're using. And you can really get very granular. And the more granular you can be, the more successful you can be with your marketing because it's really targeted to people who could benefit and who would have interest in what you're selling.
0: That's helpful, Christy. And one of the things to remember is that if you are publishing a book traditionally with a traditional publisher, they're going to force you to do this homework before you even have a book proposal accepted because the book proposal will include the details of the key audiences for your book. So hopefully, if you've worked with a traditional publisher, they've helped you to refine and identify this audience in advance. Now, if you're self publishing a book, I would also encourage you to do the hard work of putting this strategic thinking into writing and writing down. You know, I've been working recently with an author. His name is Gary Padretti. And just a shout out to Gary, he has a great new book coming in the next couple of years. And he is very specific in identifying three personas who will most benefit from his book. And as we work together, he wrote some very clear, descriptive explanations of who these personas are and what pain points these personas have and how the book will specifically benefit them and what they're going to be looking for as they read the book. And Gary does plan to publish his book traditionally But if for some reason he doesn't, he has already done this hard work of outlining who his book is for. And Christy, you said something that was really powerful, which is it's always useful when you're writing the book to write it with that end user of the book in mind so that you're sure that the stories and examples and input that you write into the book will be of most value for them. So let's presume, Christy, that our authors have already done the hard work of identifying a target audience. Maybe they've written some key personas. Maybe they've outlined the age range or interests of the target audience that they want to reach. Let's talk about social media and how we know where we can find our target audiences once they're identified. And what I envision is we're going to talk through the various social media platforms, and specifically at this moment in July of 2020, when we're recording this episode, except it's August, but who can keep the months or days straight anymore? So in August of 2020, when we're recording this episode, this would be the current state of these social channels and who's using them. So let's talk about Facebook first. Who is the primary audience that our authors will find on Facebook? Really, Facebook
1: skews a bit older. So Gen X and Boomers, I'm Gen X. This is our primary social platform. We're comfortable here. We connect with friends and family here. We get news here. We tend to live on Facebook. There are certainly younger people who are on Facebook, but millennials tend to use Facebook a bit differently than some of us who skew a bit older. And often millennials will use Facebook as sort of their professional outlet. They'll also use it as a way to stay in touch with mom and grandma and cousins, but it will be a professional facing outlet for them too. And while men and women show up pretty equally on Facebook, women tend to be more active here. We have a client, for instance, who has a very heavily skewing male audience on Twitter and LinkedIn, but his female audience really shows up for him on Facebook and his Facebook audience skews just a little younger, not millennial younger but younger on Facebook. And so we're creating different content for him in those different places to reach the different segments of his audience. So that's who you'll find on Facebook. It's really an emphasis on community.
0: So Christy, just a quick note about Facebook, because I know that there are some generations even younger than millennials that you didn't mention. So for that generation that my daughter is a part of, and I don't even know the name of it, she's 19. Gen Z. Gen Z. So my Gen Z daughter does use Facebook but primarily she uses Facebook because others in her university community are using Facebook to connect with one another. So I think we do see those Gen Zers showing up on Facebook, but they come with a very specific purpose. And my daughter also uses it for her community action initiatives. So she's involved in some local politics and it's on Facebook that she's connecting with the others who are involved in those initiatives. Yeah. So yeah, younger people are helpful. there.
1: I mean. Honestly, you're going to find every age group on all of these platforms, but the younger people on Facebook, they're for a purpose and then they're gone, where Gen X and boomers tend to scroll news feeds and really live here. The Zoomers are interesting, and we can talk about them when we get to some other platforms, just because they really have an emphasis on privacy that some of us who didn't grow up with social media you would think we would be more private, but yet we're not. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Gen Z is there. And they're growing market for our business and leadership authors. They're young now, but they're going to be in the workforce and they're coming into the workforce really soon. And they're going to want this sort of leadership information too. But let's move on to Twitter because Twitter is such, oh golly, I have a love hate with Twitter. I'm going to be honest. And here's the reason it's because Twitter had so much value and potential in the beginning. I mean, it's even become a part of our vocabulary. When we talk about social, Twitter and tweets are some of the primary words that we use, but its value has changed. Now it's really evolved into kind of a fast and furious news feed. I'm a former journalist, if there are any former journalists listening, old time journalists. In the old days, we had a news feed that would come in Associated Press or different things. And it came on paper and it would type all day long and you'd get latest news updates. And I feel like Twitter is the evolution of that. People are going there for fast information. And so you have to keep that in mind. There are all gamuts here, Gen X and Boomers, Millennials and Gen Z. But Millennials and Gen Z tend not to love Twitter as much as Some of the older folks do. And Twitter often, again, male and female, they're both here. They're both here in pretty equal numbers, but men tend to show up here more. Twitter is more of a male dominated sort of platform. So if you want to reach a heavier male audience, if you have a lot of information to put out in the world, Twitter is great. This is not necessarily the place if you're just going to share happy inspirational photos all the time. This is not your place. But if you've got curated articles, if you've got articles, if you've got commentary on current events, this is where you want to be.
0: Well, so let's talk le- about LinkedIn. Yeah, sorry about that, Christy. Most of our clients, LinkedIn is the primary platform. And the main reason is because it is a place where people are going for workplace-centered content and to connect with others for work opportunities and recruiting and all of those things. So we're seeing LinkedIn, if it's a business-centered book, to be the primary audience.
1: We really are.
0: And there are lots of
1: opportunities on LinkedIn. LinkedIn You can post articles which can really reach a large audience on LinkedIn. And we encourage our authors to do that pretty regularly. And then you can post on LinkedIn, and that reaches people in your newsfeed. And if they share your post, it goes on. But LinkedIn really is it's the professional place. If you're writing a nonfiction business or leadership book, this is probably the primary place you want to be. And it's a great place to share that blog promotion, article promotion, commentary on other articles. It's really about sharing information people use in a professional setting. And so the more you can do that the more valuable your content will be and the more people who will read it and share it. And what we see also from LinkedIn is with many of our clients, LinkedIn is the top social driver to their website. So it really, you know, people who see something they're interested in LinkedIn follow it through. There's a high rate of conversion here. So LinkedIn is really one of the most powerful and, and truly one of the sites we focus on the most. Facebook We'll have a lot of people now say, oh, Facebook, it's not right for my business. I don't think business leaders are there, but they are because they like to connect with their family on Facebook. But Facebook is also a top driver to website traffic. It does really well. Where Twitter, we see very few people read click through from Twitter. Twitter's fast and furious. And then Instagram is someplace we've been encouraging our clients to utilize. In the beginning, there was resistance because there was the feeling that it was, one, just very young, Two, there weren't business leaders there. But really, people are wired to be visual, and Instagram is a beautifully visual platform. And a lot of people, as Facebook and Twitter have become very political, a lot of people have moved their daily activity to Instagram. And because it's beautiful images and it's a great way to share your work, share your work in the world. I encourage authors to also think really creatively about Instagram. So instead of having every photo they share be completely literal of here I am delivering a workshop or here's my book, they can really think about the lessons that they share in the world and find photos that are beautiful and evocative, and then they can write and connect their message to that image. So I think there's so much opportunity here in Instagram. It's also a way to be really personal, I love Brene Brown's Instagram because she has really meaningful, deep content. But then in her stories, she has a highlight that she saves where she literally hangs her phone out the window as someone else is driving and she's riding around her Texas home playing country music songs. Like it tells you who she is. It's very lighthearted content. It has nothing to do with shame, which is her topic of expertise but it lets you know who she is. And so Instagram can be really personal. It was really young for a while, but more Gen Xers and boomers are learning the ropes and showing up there. So you can reach older folks as well, but you're really reaching those young leaders if you're a business and leadership author, because they may not be posting leadership content there. They may not be posting about their work, but they are looking to consume content. And if you show up there, it's a unique way to connect with those younger leaders in the world.
0: So we've talked about the big four platforms that everyone is aware of and thinking about to some degree. What about these lesser used platforms like TikTok and Snapchat? And when I say lesser used, I mean lesser used by the business and leadership authors that we serve. Right. And both of those skew young. Millennials to Zoomers.
1: That's who's on TikTok and Snapchat. Yes, there are older people. You know, please, when I say they skew young, know that you're going to find every generation everywhere. But there are some some generations that show up dominantly. So these are young people channels. And if your work is going to appeal to a younger person, if your audience is a teenage audience, then absolutely show up here. But no that you need to show up here in a way that's pretty fun and that's going to connect to these kids. If you show up on TikTok with a quick TikTok video talking about your book in the way you would talk about your book to a workshop panel, no one's watching it on TikTok. Your efforts aren't going to work. So you really have to adapt to the channel and the platform. But you know, if you're creative and you want to have some fun with your message and your message serves a younger audience, then go for it. For most of our clients, it's really not A place for them this time, but I'm always about experimentation. And one last note I'll say about the social channels is that you don't have to be on all of them. Just like your book isn't for everyone, you don't have to be on every social platform. Be on the social platforms where your audience shows up, show up in a way that they can relate to, And show up in a way that you're comfortable with. If you really want to be on Instagram, but you hate taking photos, then Instagram's probably not a win for you because you're just not going to keep it up and you don't have to be everywhere. Pick one or two platforms that you can really show up strongly on and go for it.
0: So let's talk a little bit about language, Christy. You referenced the importance of making sure that the way that you present your message connects with the audience you're trying to reach. And I know you have a really great example about a client who had a mismatch with her vocabulary choices.
1: Yeah, you know, it really is, in many ways, marketing boils down to finding an audience pain point and finding the solution to that pain point. And with business and leadership books, it's very similar. If people are searching for a book and they don't know you, but they really need your expertise, the language they use will either connect you or you'll miss one another. And we do have a client who described her work as workplace savvy, being savvy in the workplace. But when we tapped into her audience and did some surveying, the word savvy didn't describe the problems they were having. In fact, the word they used was confidence. And they use lack of confidence and confidence again and again. So they were missing each other. And so we needed to revise her language. So she was really addressing their pain points because her work absolutely was addressing the pain points of her women, which her audience, which was primarily women. But her audience was looking for, I don't have the confidence. How do I improve confidence? And she was giving them how they can have workplace savvy. So there was a disconnect. So you really do have to know what your audience is talking about, how they talk about the subjects that you cover. And you can do that by doing the research into audience, by looking at your competitor's audience, by looking at people who fit your demographics on social media and how they, the language they use. It really is important to show up in a way that
0: they recognize the value. Got it. Thanks. So just like every episode, we do have a few action steps for you today that we hope you'll dig into. And this episode will be most useful for you if you have not gotten specific yet about your target audiences for your book. So the first action step we have for you today is to do some research into your competitors and also seek some input from others about who they view as your target audiences for your work you may want to take some time to do some soul searching or reflection to figure out who your ideal target audiences are. And I would say once you have gotten that input and done the research and done the soul searching, put it in writing so that you're clear about who your target audiences are. The second action step for today is to figure out either by re-listening to this podcast or by doing your own research. Find out where your audience is connecting on social media and then dedicate some time to showing up in a strong way on that platform. One of the things that I often say to authors is that this is a discovery-driven process. And so it may take some experimentation to figure out the right words and the right platforms. And I always say the most important thing is to show up. So thank you for joining us for this podcast. We'll be back with you again next week. And we encourage you to check out the links to the resources that we've put in the show notes for continued learning. Take care. Thanks for listening. And I hope you'll subscribe today and tell a friend about our show. If you're looking for hands-on help to market your book or have a question you'd like to hear me answer here, please email me, becky at weavinginfluence.com.